right, we are back, and this is Cart and Friends Make a Liddy Podcast. Welcome Welcome to this week's episode. Um, I'm Cart, and today I am joined by one of our guests, and I'll let you... Go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> they should know you by now. Yeah. My, my name is Hero, Young Hero Master. You know, I'm I'm definitely a veteran on this on this podcast. Yeah, so I mean, if you know, you know. At this point, well, glad that you're able to come today. We're gonna get into some things. Yeah. So dive deep once again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give them the strain and sip. Other day, do do do. Other day. Um, <laughs> we just gave, gave him a, a jingle. The strain is blueberry muffins, which is an indica, and yes. we are drinking some Stella Artois, which is a Belgian beer available at any store. <laughs> yep, pretty good. It's actually my first time drinking like multiple, you know. I don't know. Really getting the flavor of it going. Well, yeah, that's what we got going on today. We actually both were just on an episode of The Breakdown. The Breakdown. A podcast that is also under the same Conferlanza network as this podcast. So if you can, check it out. I'm not sure when the air date is, but just stay tuned with that because we both were just on. And there's some great things. The podcast. King is the host. He really dives deep and gets the truth of the matter. So make sure you check it out. Yes. Yes. Check that out. Let's fun going on here talking about some serious shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get into the first segment of the day. What we like right now. I am getting into two things. One, I just think that we should just all take a moment to appreciate this delicious food item known as the Cheddar Biscuit. <laughs> Available at Red Lobster. Yes. Some people know how to make them from scratch. Not me. You can even get a box of the Red Lobster brand at the store, I heard, and bake it up. You can. Just plug Red Lobster. This is not sponsored by Red Lobster. <laughs> <laughs> the cheddar biscuits are popping. Even on Boondocks. Do you remember that episode when he was like, the cheddar biscuits? <laughs> Ah, That's damn near the best free bread you can get. Definitely. Cheddar biscuits, man. Yeah. Well, another thing that I like right now is Janae Eco just put out a new song with Big Sean. Have you heard it? I haven't heard it. It's called None of Your Concern. Or None of My Concern. None of My Concern. I find it kind of tight that they still make songs together. Yeah, even about the relationship and shit. like, Or at least allegedly about the relationship. It seems like it. According to the song, he disclosed some shit about their sex life that had Twitter up in arms. What did he say? He said that he made her um, fulfill her, um, <laughs> reach her sexual peak nine times in one day. And the Twitter was just like, oh shit, oh, oh. So they're going into detail about intimate sexual encounters well they were like things. up in arms were they like that's a bad thing or? no not as they were up in arms they were mad they were just like whoa big shot who knew you had it in you <laughs> just all of that stuff you know and just dang 
Wow, and all that type of shit that they be saying on Twitter. Oh my God. <laughs> and more of that. Yeah. But yeah. you know, all that aside, the song is pretty good. Right. I gotta hear it. Yeah, I you should check it out. When did it come out? I believe last week or early this week or something like that. It's relatively yeah. new. So I'm late. Um, what do you like right now? You know what? I didn't think I was gonna like it when it came out, but I've been watching Disney Plus, bruh. What? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I didn't realize how big a part of my childhood some of them shows were, and it's just like, you see it, and it's just hella nostalgic. It is hella nostalgic. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, yo. Like, they had, uh... The Replacements on there. I don't know if you remember that show. Yes, that's a good they ass got, show. They got Phil Slept of the on. Future. Phil of the Future. <laughs> that's like a random ass show, but I just remember watching it as a kid. It's a good show. And that's how I know the Ali and AJ girl. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the nostalgia factor is big. I feel like millennials appreciate nostalgia in a different way than other generations have. It seems like they've been able, people have been able to capitalize on our nostalgia in a way that I mean, I saw that they capitalized on 80s nostalgia a bit. Maybe even 70s. Maybe I just see it more now because I'm a millennial. And it's nostalgic for you. 70s yeah. shit ain't nostalgic for you because you weren't there. 80s shit ain't nostalgic for you. You weren't there. Like, right. But they definitely capitalized on it. I was actually wanting to get yeah, a boomerang. Way, definitely, yeah. I wanted to get a boomerang account. Or at least was contemplating it. They had yeah. the old, old shit. You know, like... Uh, Tom and Jerry and such, yeah. but they also have Dexter's Lab and Curse of Kylie Dog. Right. Good ass shows. Do they have that in there? I don't know if that's in there. YouTube got it in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh. anything else you like right now? <laughs> hmm. I've been listening to a lot of world music. I've been trying to make some some of that type of shit, you know? Okay. Like, it's tight. World it's music tight. is lit. It is. It's just a different feel. It's way more like... Turn up, but yeah. I feel like anybody can turn up with yeah. it. Well, well, that's what's up. It is. This has been What We Like Right Now. Let's get into some hot topics. <laughs> Let's first talk about this issue with Taylor Swift. I, I'm not a big-ass fan of Taylor Swift, but as... As a guy who um, is a part of the music industry, or at least an aspiring, well, at least a musician, an aspiring, you know, large player in the music business, mm-hmm. um, this story intrigues me. Basically, Taylor Swift, her first, I believe, five albums, she was signed under a certain production company called Big Hit, and it also... Basically, all those albums were owned by them. They're her masters and stuff. So her new album called Lover just came out, and that's the album that she was able to first finally have her masters on, you know? Mm-hmm. So she can do whatever she wants, all the rights, it's up to her, whatever gets done. However, the other rights to her older music that was underneath that company weren't owned by her, and they were recently purchased by this dude named Scooter Braun and some investor. Why does that name sound familiar? Scooter Braun is the manager of many successful people like Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande, etc. Okay. So you probably have heard of him before. I, I even think he he's he manages Demi Lovato as well. So a lot of popular pop acts. Basically, him and Taylor Swift have some type of beef. He purchased her masters. 
He owns the rights to her shit. She can't even, she's about to get awarded the Decade Artist of the Year, like the Artist of the Decade Award at the American Music Awards. And you know, at those type of performances, you perform a little medley of all your hits. She, she doesn't have for permission to even perform none of her shit except this new album because they're not, you know, rocking with her and they own the rights to her shit. That's fucked up. So she's also doing a documentary with Netflix coming up soon and they want to use some music and stuff, you know, besides the new music, but some of her older hits, but they're having trouble. So why there's is been a lot of that? I don't know why necessarily he's doing this. There's been a lot of people coming out speaking about this in support of Taylor Swift. And of course, the people that are with Scooter Braun have kind of been supporting him, which is Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande. And in terms of the American Music Awards, um, I think they recently came to some type of agreement to let her do a do a uh, medley or something like that. But she's still having trouble just in terms of she has to check in whenever she wants to use her music. So, how do you feel about that? Like, it's fucked up. But at the end of the day, like. If you sign up to do that, you know, true. Which she kind of obviously did. She did. Like, I mean, you can't really be that mad, but it's like you at the, at the same time you want people to be able to profit off their own like intellectual property, which is yes. what music is. Like, in a way, you know, it's not and like a physical product. Like, so basically, there's something where. I think he was mad at her. Now that I think about it, I remember reading that. Okay, because you know the artist JoJo. Mm-hmm. He's a singer who was underneath the company. For those who don't know, that the same like production company that Aaliyah was under, and he didn't believe in streaming and things like that. So a long time JoJo was out of the limelight, but her streaming could have been a source of or an additional source of income and stuff like that. But none of her music was on streaming. People, her fans wanted to hear the stuff, but had to like rip it and all this stuff. She couldn't put music out. She was on a legal battle with the label, etc. They owned like all her shit. So she ended up doing something where you can record all your old shit. If you're the writer or if you worked out a deal with the writers, you can record all your older stuff on your own and re-record it and put it back out. And I mean, it's not going to sound exactly can't like... can't do that. It's not going to sound exactly like the older recording. Like you can't use the same beat. You can, but you got to get it redone. So, like, it's going to sound the same damn near, but, of course, there'll be probably smaller, you know, difference areas or something like that, you know? So, is that what you're saying, Taylor Swift? So, Taylor Swift was going to do that. She plans on doing that. Re-record five albums? Yeah, that's hard. Because JoJo only had two albums, and she recorded two albums, and it came out. That's hella shit. And, I mean, yeah, there's going to be certain hits that people are more likely to gravitate towards because I mean she ain't gonna probably record every single little deep cut and everything you know like I mean yeah. she might but she might Jojo re-recorded the whole album but I feel like that's easier to do when it's two albums but five albums and you still like a current artist so you gotta work on new shit at the same time yeah like yeah I can see how that could be difficult but for her it could be a financial it definitely game because her fans want to listen to her stuff and her fans want to support her like, I feel like the type of fans she has, if she recorded, re-recorded some stuff and put it out, they would just, like... They would slap that, right? Slap that only and have day listening parties where they only slap that and stuff. And, like, it'll be a trending topic and hella shit, you know? True. But apparently, like, there's an agreement where you can only do that after a certain period of time. And Has her shit reached that period? Scooter Braun claimed that she was trying to record it a year earlier 
then she was allowed to. So he didn't want to let her perform at the you know awards and stuff like that. So the He's music industry, up that, yeah, the, yeah, I believe it's fucked up. It's evil, and the music industry is known for being duplicitous and you know deceitful. So we can learn from this as you know artists aspiring to like you know be. Or any artist can learn from this. Just doing deals in daily life, you know? I also think Taylor Swift got famous at a time before streaming was where it's at now. Definitely. So, like, these days, like, streaming is where you're going to make most of your money in shows and shit, obviously. But, like, nobody's, like, outright buying albums the same way anymore. So, like, because you buy the service and then just stream the shit when it comes out. So, like... Do you think that like there's how more in the law independent these days? You know how in the law they say you have natural laws? Wait, there definitely is more room to be independent these days. And I think that less artists are getting wrapped up in the red tape of red, of record labels and stuff yeah. because they don't have to deal with that. Because the, even then they could always go somewhere else and get like a distribution deal or some shit. Right. You know what I mean? Cuz like they don't have to get wrapped up in some shit where they don't even own their shit and or unless they do that nobody's going to hear their shit or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's not like they only chance. Like it used to be like that. But it's not like that anymore. That's hella true. Yeah, like times have definitely changed. But what I was going to ask you was, you know, like certain people or there's an idea of like natural rights. Uh yeah. Do you think like like, um, and you know, like they say natural rights, like every man has a right to like life, liberty, da da da. Yeah. Do you think that like the things that we create sh- should be like considered a natural right or like you should have innate ownership? I mean, she did sign away, but I'm just saying. I think like, you should, but the middle ground though is like things we create are like created from ideas. Like you didn't create every, every aspect of something that you created. You know, like... There's ideas in there that was built upon for hella long, you know what I mean? And then, like, at a certain point, it's like, yeah, you should... There's ways that you can get the rights to your intellectual property. But if I feel like if you do sign a deal saying, you know, that you don't have the ownership to it, you know? Yeah, then, then it's you like do? you kind of negate your own shit you by agreeing to those your, terms. Yeah. Like... So, I mean, yeah, it's fucked up for people to, like, take advantage of that, of course. But should it should it be like that? No. I don't think it should be like that. That was your question, right? Yeah, that was my question. I don't question. think you should be able to sign the rights to your own creations away. Like, I don't think that should be a thing. You should always be able to, I feel that you should always be able to have some type of ownership. Yeah. Definitely. Like, if the label want a percentage, I feel like that's not completely unreasonable. Just mm-hmm. because they putting you hella on. But, like, to have complete Even ownership. Even if you, if you wrote, if you didn't have, you know, some artists are manufactured to a degree where they haven't written any of the songs. Like, this whole thing is orchestrated by the label. Even in that case, it's like, okay, I can understand the label being like, this isn't yours, or you have to work to get ownership of this or something. But in the case of artists like Taylor Swift, where even if you don't like her music, you know she wrote that song, you know, like yeah. <laughs> she wrote it. 
it's just like, damn, you feel kind of like, damn, you know? <laughs> like, even if you don't like her, you're like, I mean, she wrote the song, whether I like it or not, like, it's her song, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, you can, we can all agree that if you make something, you should have the rights to it. Or you should at least be able to profit off of it somehow. Like, is that, like, just from a lack of regulations in the music industry, or mm. or what? I think that there's, I don't know about regulations in the music industry, but I feel like... Or is it, like, this The music be- industry is definitely a business, and the best businesses do everything they can to gain the highest capital and, you know... Make the most profit. Make the most profit, and they don't have to pay people. <laughs> like, so, yeah. they're just doing that, you know? But you shouldn't be able to do that. If you think about it, like yeah, that's the that's the same thing as like people fighting for a higher minimum wage. Like, there's businesses not trying to play their employees because they're a business and they're trying to make the most money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like the same shit almost. Wow, I never thought to compare it to that. Well, well, yes. At the end of the day, she should be able to have ownership. We hope that she gets some ownership. <laughs> You know, and think about all the other artists who don't have as much notoriety as Taylor Swift that are probably going through worse and don't even have a voice to really talk about it. So let's just shout out to all the artists that's struggling and just shout out to all the independent artists that ain't dealing with this, you know, that are struggling too, but at least they don't have to deal with this, you know. Remember that there's different routes. Yeah. Well, let's move on to another topic, which is not really a fun to talk about but I think that we should just get into it is Trina you know Trina yeah (laughs) she likes to shop at Walmart she said it in a lot of interviews and stuff like that like she enjoys shopping at Walmart or just because you have money doesn't mean you need to you know buy bed sheets and soap and stuff (laughs) for $50 a pop so she's in Walmart and a lady is like in the corner crying or something like that and Trina approached her like, oh, man, are you okay? Like, oh, my God, do you need anything? And the lady exploded on her and says, get away from me, you nigger bitch. Whoa. Wow. So, initially, I don't think Trina actually did anything. She just was like, oh, my God, and walked away. But then, upon coming to checkout, the same woman said you bumped into me or something like that or tried to make a big scene about like her bumping into her or something like that and calling her or several more racial slurs or something to the point where Trina was very upset and could no longer just not react and just, and just you know yeah. a lot of stuff to her but it made me think because I've heard a lot of people talk about this and some people are talking about like you know oh, this isn't how you should handle it when you're being called certain things or something like that. And some people are like, oh, no, you should not police how people are reacting when they're under violence and, you know, things like that. So... What do you mean this isn't how you should handle it? Well, because the like, argument... What does that even mean? The argument that people were saying about how she shouldn't have handled it by yelling and cussing Why? the lady out is because they were saying that it looks bad for black people or something like that. Like... Well, that's one thing that's hella dumb because like that's one of the things that uh, mainly black people and some other minority groups have to worry about because who does it look bad to white people why do we care about what white people think like more than we care about what everybody else think why are we compare it's like how you were saying like um 
afraid of the white gaze or whatever. Oh yeah. Like you feel me? How you I feel yeah. like it's the same we don't one we don't look at one white person doing some shit and they don't they don't feel like they represent their whole white race. You know what I mean? True. Like yes. we we so. go out and feel like oh or some of us go out and feel like, you know, we represent all black people. Mm-hmm. Because we out here like Or there's a level of fear there's a level of fear of playing into certain stereotypes. Right. Which is understandable because a lot of people have tried to all their life or been taught and raised all their life to show that you're more than these ideals that people have of you. You know? So I can understand not wanting to necessarily play into them, but it leaves people of color, black people, in a place where you feel like you can't become angry about anything. You can't do this or do that or you can't be happy in certain places and do things culturally that you would do or dance or eat certain types of foods or certain things you know where it's like now you're trapped in in your life just because you are afraid of the white gaze and these stereotypes whoever said this is not how you should react like they don't know what the fuck they're talking about they need to go somewhere with that agree you can't tell somebody how they should react to hate speech like especially since she came back later and was doing hella shit right like she it sounds like from what you're saying she let it go the first time she did she was a initial incident she let it go and then like she came back the first time of course you're gonna be mad like this is racist ass lady following you lying on you saying you did some shit you didn't even do like who wouldn't be mad right anybody would be mad at that point white black mexican Guatemalan, Chinese, whoever the fuck, <laughs> like, anybody gonna be mad, bro. It's true. I would be mad. I think that, and I think everybody responds to things differently, but you have a right yeah. to process this. Like, I personally, it takes a lot for me to, like, hella just blow up and cut somebody out. Like, I have to either have been dealing with your shit for, like, so long, or, like, I have to like have been like in a place already where I'm just like damn like I'm so fucking frustrated and pissed off to where something will just set me off and it I can go a long time before I reach that place whereas I know others and I know a, a past me <laughs> wasn't like that you know or aren't like that so like some people may not have responded to the way tr- the way Trina did but I don't think yeah. that that means that they're responding better yeah like you're not better for like just doing whatever the person who said like you shouldn't respond that way to respond because I mean honestly I probably would have been I probably would have responded that way I personally probably would have been ready to fight after yeah, like shit, some people would have fit would have physically I would not have probably let the first shit go I don't know like right nigger bitch is like a slur and she came to you to aid you and help you you called her that. Like, you know, what kind of yeah. hatred do you have in your heart? But, you know... Sign of the times. Yeah, it's crazy, but... Um, yeah, I think that we as black people have to come to a place where we allow ourselves to function outside, completely outside of the white gaze. And by what I mean by that is, the white gaze means, you know, ideals or things that we've built by white people seeing us or us responding to, like the social norms created by white people, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So, you know, there's things in our culture that we have shame about. You know, 
And I think that we have to let that go. Because, like, the only reason why we have shame about those things is because, like, oh, white people think that you are less educated or this or that, you know? Right. And I think that we need to just fully embrace ourselves and and disregard the white gaze. And I think this comes into part of that. People that are saying that we can't react a certain way when people come at us with ultimate disrespect. Yeah, right. I think that, you know, they're still operating under that and they're not giving themselves full reign to be a human. You feel me? Or to embrace their own culture at a certain point. Like, a lot of other people that have a different culture get to embrace it and it's not really frowned upon the same way, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, it's weird because everybody also loves certain aspects of black culture. That's what's crazy. It's the same things that, like, some of the things that we have been taught to, like, be shameful for end up being regurgitated by pop culture and celebrated on non-black people. Yeah. Or, like, in non-black spaces. And it's looked at hella edgy and shit. Like, what? (laughs) Like, wow. But that was the Trina situation. At the end of the day, Trina, do your thing. And I'm going to end it on what she said when she got interviewed by TMZ. She was like, this is not, this is 2019 now. Um, You know, this is not back in the day. Like, you'll get the fuck beat out too. You'll get beat the fuck up. (laughs) And you know what? You could. Somebody might beat your ass if you racist to them. Period, point, blank. So that's what it is. There was a time when you would just get killed if you tried to do anything. Right. Like, but it's not. Like, these days, you can get your ass beat. You can get your ass beat, and anybody that heard that shit will not care. Anybody that saw it will not care. Right. Like, because you deserve that shit. Well, one more hot topic I'm going to want to get into is the new Charlie's Angels movie that just came out. Hella uh, fucking tanked. Yeah, Elizabeth Banks, this was her first time doing, like, a directorial film, or being a directorial, her directorial debut, if you will. And she, I think, you know, was producing it too. And the movie just didn't do well. Um, I, from what I remember, it pulled in three million on the, on the, like, first, and they projected it to be about seven million. And... The budget was, let me look it up. 12 million, 50 million. It was like, like 50 that. or 45 million or something like that. Let me remember, let me look up exactly what but it was. But they only wanted to make seven? No, like when you have a budget, you expect to profit way larger than the so budget. They want, oh, so, yeah, they so they wanted to make 100 million or at least 60 million. They wanted to make 7 million on top of the 12. Well, they projected that that because you know when you have a first week in the box office, they say this is how oh, much you gonna make. They wanted to week. make first. So they had made three million, but they said that by the end of this week we'll make around seven, seven million in the first week. Yeah, but in the first week they only made three. Well, no, no. What projection means is that like, I think when they said that it was three million, it was like in the middle of the time frame that they measured for the full amount mm-hmm. of the first week opening, you know, sales. So it was like. We're at three. We're probably going to get to seven. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. So you is know, that like trash? That's very much trash. I'm about to look at like, the... Like, do other movies make like 40 million in the first week and shit or what? Um, so they're good. They only earned, they earned, they earned 8.6 million for the week, for the opening weekend. But the budget was 48 million. So when you have a budget, you want to make way more, you know? Of course, yeah. No, but I'm like, just like... Do they expect to make that? Is it typical that they make that back in the first week? Yeah, the first week sales are at least a huge indication of the success of the movie. And typically, highly successful movies, the first week sales surpass the budget. 
they're just you know damn okay movie. so yeah. like let's look at like highly successful movies like um what's that one movie uh avatar avatar yeah i, I now that you say it Avatar's box office altogether was two point seventy nine billion dollars. That's how much they made. But the the budget is two hundred thirty seven million, which was like one of the highest budgets of all time. They had two hundred billion. But you see, they got two point seventy nine billion back. So you're trying to get. Yeah, no. But I'm saying this is how much much did they make in the in the first week? Let's look. Avatar's first week sales. So yeah, in the first week alone, they got six hundred and fifty-one million, which and is still more than their budget. way more yeah, than their okay. budget. So that means so it's like wow. Successful films usually at least cover the budget and then some in the first week. This movie didn't come didn't come close. close. I didn't. I was gonna say like I didn't really see any trailers. I didn't see like much promotion. As I did for some of the other movies that I feel like did well. I saw some trailers for it. Some, but I and didn't... I saw I'm being somebody that tapped into music, like they did a lot of musical. Like Ariana Grande did the, did the was doing the soundtrack, and she did a collab with like Miley Cyrus and Lana Del Rey, which mm-hmm. is kind of a big deal. And they had like a, that kind of promotion, you know. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's not enough because you don't need to. You got to go outside. Of that too, like you do, and you do, do way more shit, so you can pick up people like me who might not necessarily listen to Ariana Grande and mm-hmm. Lana Del Rey. Like, and if you want to make hundreds of millions, like that's not gonna come from just their fan bases. It's true. Like, and I think people were bringing up the issue of casting. Like, it's no, too. it's no slight to the girls who were in this film, and it's weird because it's like you want actresses and actors. Excuse me. You want actors and actresses who don't get a chance that much to get shots, like mm-hmm. to play big leading roles. This beer got me burping. <laughs> big leading mm-hmm. roles in um, like big budget films. You know, that's yeah. what you want. Yeah. But at the same time, there is the notion of like bigger names lead to a draw for the box office. If you know this actor and you know like a lot about them and you like to tell their movies, you're you know, more likely to come to the movie theater to see their movie which is why certain actors you know are guaranteed this million because like they have a draw you know this movie is going to be successful to a degree and the leads of this movie were not as known Mm -hmm. I know that they had Kristen Stewart which is you know she's known from Twilight and other films and you know she has a level of notoriety but I wouldn't say that it's like as much as like you know like Lucy Liu had at the time of her stuff or like you know Drew Barrymore or Cameron Diaz you know and then these other two girls. Wasn't that Cameron Diaz breakout like bro? No, Cameron Diaz breakout. Like this, she was solidified. I think this helped. She her was a model reach. first, though, right? She was, but like some of her first movies were like acclaimed as comedies and stuff. So like when she got here, it was like, oh yeah, Cameron Diaz, you know. Whereas like these other two girls, I'm not sure I know. And Drew Barrymore and shit too. Yeah, like, like everybody already knew them. So I was like, oh, damn, the three of them in this shit? Yeah, it was like three heavyweights. I don't want to see it. But um, I don't know if that was the same for this one. It wasn't. It's definitely not. And it's like, I think that might have been the main mistake. Because if you're going to do a remake, you got to do a remake. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even They could have even made like 
a fucking another Charlie's Angels with them in it, to be honest. And people would have for sure seen that. I would have went to go watch like, it. Like, yeah, I would have went to see that. And like, like what? Yeah. But like, but of course, the story of Charlie's Angels is that it's always three new girls anyway. So you could yeah. always swatch them out. But they could have switched them out for like, like who would you have casted? I don't know. I feel like I'm. The wrong Let's say you have to leave Kristen Stewart in there. It's like okay, Kristen, cool, she in there. We'll just let her be in there, you know. And this is fucked up. I almost don't want to do it because it's like, damn, you're just gonna recast the other two girls. So let's not leave Kristen Stewart in there. Let's just say we're making our own Charlie's Angels remake. Who are you putting in your film? And how are you putting it out there for the world to see? Let me see. This is what I would do. Who would you? Who would you? I would put Kiki Palmer as one of them. Oh yeah, huh? I would put um, Zendaya as one of them. And then I would find like one person that hasn't done hella movies or something that's like more of like a singer or something like that. Maybe like Becky G or like I don't even know who that is. She was one of the Power Rangers. She's like a Latin singer. She was a Power Ranger. Yeah, she's like one of, so maybe she can't do it because she's a Power Ranger. So like Rosalia or somebody you know like. Or maybe like, or maybe um, I feel like Kiki Palmer, Zendaya, and um, oh, I know. We need like one girl who's like just a different, cause like both Zendaya and Kiki Palmer are both fierce in a way. But Kiki Palmer has a comedy about her and stuff, but also fierceness, you know. And Zendaya is just like this model-esque fierce. So we have the role, we have different roles, but now we need the one person that's like, looked at more maybe like, you know, like, uh, like in a like, shy or something type of way or something, if that makes sense. Or like a innocent or something, like I don't know, explain it like, I don't know, maybe the girl from um, Mixed-ish, I mean Grown-ish. Yeah, that. What's you her name? About, uh, Yara. Yeah, maybe Yara Shahidi. Yara Zendaya and and Kiki. That's that's a that's a good cast. I would see that. I would go I would see, see that. that. The demographic might be a little bit younger though, or something. And like, everybody black too. You know, white. People oh, and everybody's black. You know, white people would hate that. So you white people are like these are the Charlie's Angels. Be <laughs> 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 pressed. I would see it though. I too. would go see it. But maybe no. you're right. Maybe if like you want everybody to see it, you at least have to find like one white person, or at least like you know. Hmm. Fucking... I don't know. You can't think of who you cast, or you're too. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know who I would cast. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> well, I have yet to see the movie, but I do want to see it just so I can the see. The numbers how... reflect that. <laughs> Most people didn't go see this shit. Man, but yeah, she even came out, Elizabeth Banks. She came out and said that, like, oh yeah, it tanked, man. Like, what? Is she, isn't she one of the ones? She's the director. The... She was in it. She's the director. She's the producer. But then she later on said that the reason why it failed is because people act like they want to see women leads and, and stuff like that. But they don't really want to see women in leads and in action and stuff like that. I, mean, I don't think and that's the reason. I don't think that's the reason for this film. I think that. It wasn't maybe promoted as good as it could have been. Maybe the budget was smaller for promotion. I didn't see shit, bro. I didn't even know it was <laughs> out. I thought it was coming out soon. Like, I didn't yeah. know it was already out. 
Yeah, I didn't really know when it was coming out. Yeah. And then the casting, like, 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 don't get me wrong. I think if it was, like, hell of promotion and they did it in the right way, I would have went to see it regardless of the casting. Yeah, because, that's what I'm like, saying. they can still be good actors. Because I remember I, it was a movie that when I saw it, I was like, oh, damn, you know, that, that shit, that might be nice to see. Yeah, and you don't even and really know the actors are always when you but, want to. But it's just, it's Charlie's, and another Charlie's Angels. And it's like, all right, shit. But, like, this is my yeah. first time hearing that the shit already came out and did terrible. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's not, yeah, because Charlie's Angels has clout. So yeah. it's like, that name alone, you're like, okay, we know it's going to be some action, there's going to be mm-hmm. some cool stuff to look at. Hmm, well, I don't know. Well, let's take a break, and when we come back, we will answer somebody's question, and then we'll later on get into the big talk. Be right back. Alright, we're back. We're going to answer questions from viewers like you. Let's get it. These aren't even viewers. These are listeners, but you know. <laughs> Whatever, you get what we're saying. Um, right. So, this question is not as... I was looking at it earlier, and it's not as, like, ratchet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ratchet, that's what, the last Last week, or? we had some pretty, like... The questions that made me really think, but also were like wild. Like I didn't think that people would be so open with such interesting situations they were going through. However, there's no judgment. Everybody goes through different things. And just because you are willing to talk about it doesn't mean that you're wrong for that just because I'm not as open with my personal things. But we are just trying to help people out that put questions out there. (laughs) (laughs) Not that we're like therapists or anything like that. So I thought we'd take this question because I thought that maybe both of us, you know, we were 17 once. (laughs) We both, you know, now we're in different positions. Maybe we can help this person out. So here's the question. I'm 17 years old and I'm broke as fuck. I want to save up some money to move out of my parents' house at 20 slash 21. But it's really hard finding a job for teenagers. Can somebody help me? I don't know what the fuck to do. I applied to so many jobs online. What the fuck? Okay. Man. So, I definitely understand the struggle of trying to get a job when you're Seven, when you're a minor. Yeah. It's really difficult. I would yeah, say that right. living here in California it's especially hard. It's hard. I tried. I know all my siblings tried. And I don't think any of us got a job before we were 18. Nope. I was applying to so many places. Bro. Or not like a job that like, you know, a job job. We have like different, you know, ways to get money. But in terms of like you're working at Jamba Juice, you're working at little places like that. It's difficult to get a job when you're not 18. So that alone is difficult. So I guess the first advice for you, sir or ma'am is you may want to think of ways to get money that are non-traditional. Are you good at baking? Are you good at sewing? Are you good at good with kids? Are you good 
you know with things like that because because just because places are hiring doesn't mean, doesn't you, mean can't you can't make. create your own um, source of income so there's that what do you think I definitely agree with that, that you know because um, I, 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 def- I, I know I was applying to hella places when I was in high school trying to get a job but uh, a lot of places you know, obviously you were in school, so a lot of places don't have a flexible schedule. Mm-hmm, and like, that. you know, and then on the other hand, a lot of places just don't want to hire somebody who can't be moved around. And you're, when you're under 18, that's definitely the case. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's why a lot of places require you to be 18. But like, if you do have some type of skill or something like that, something, you know, that provides value to other people. Even just your time, like, especially these days, depending on where you live, like, you can do, there's a lot of stuff you could do. I think there definitely is. Like, there's a, the gig economy is crazy. I mean, but at the same time, even that. Oh, yeah, gig jobs. You gotta be 18, too. Or you have to know how to drive or have a driving history or record. But that's what I'm saying. Like you have to think completely outside, outside of the box. box. Outside because, the box. Because um, you don't. You're just gonna have to wait till you're 18, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you know, there's a there are ways to get a job after. I mean, before you're um, uh, 18. I would say the food industry service. They have a high like job turnaround rate. So they might be more willing to like at least if you're going to target your your employee, uh, your 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 um what's it called the thing that you fill out? <laughs> uh, resume. No, the application. Application. <laughs> yeah. Lord Jesus. Wow. So <laughs> if you're going to target the type of applications that you like fill out to a certain type of place, I would say like maybe restaurants or. Places that like, yeah. you know, you know, give you cash and stuff like that. I don't know. Try it. And you know, there's certain places in communities that like give people payments under the table and stuff like that. I don't know if that's legal I'm or not. Suggesting that to minors. Is that legal? I mean, I don't actually. Since I didn't have a job as a minor, I don't know what their tax situation is like. You know. Oh yeah. So like, cause the under the table would only be bad if you're an adult who has to pay taxes, as far as I'm aware of, because that's like unreported income and shit. Oh, gotcha. And that's illegal. Well, if it's so, illegal, then don't do it. Maybe we should do more research. I mean, and suggest that. I ain't gonna say do it on <laughs> yeah, the show. Yeah, don't do that. Like, come on now, don't just don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait till you're 18. Right? Yeah, don't listen to me. I'm telling the kids, <laughs> kids to go get a job. Get something at that point. Get labor <laughs> under the table. Oh, Lord. Yeah, that's horrible advice, which is why I say <laughs> we're not even qualified <laughs> to give advice. We're just trying to do our best here to give you some advice. Yeah. Um. But, yeah. And I think, you know, cherish your youth because there's going to be a time when, you know, I got you my first job. You're going to have to work. Yeah, you're going to have to work. I got my first job fresh out of high school at 18. Um, I was applying while I was still like in high school, you know, but it was like right around the time of graduation was coming up and I needed to get money for school and such like that. So I got a job at the local movie theater in Oakland. It wasn't um, like an AMC or anything like that. Like it's 
Grand Lake Theater, a private loan, privately owned, like um, locally owned yeah. movie theater, which was really cool. But um, basically, like I got that job, and I just bugged, bugged them and bugged them until they hired me, and the rest is history. But you know, I think that once you turn eighteen, you know. You'll have to start getting a job, and it'll be easier for you to get a job. So, just take take a moment right now to just enjoy being seventeen. It'll be a lot easier, especially at places like you know your Walmart's, your fast food restaurants, your all that shit, and like do hair or something like that, or like you know like yeah. clean shoes, dudes, or you know like. Find somebody's Instagram that you might want to like help them market or something. I don't know. Like, what are you good at that you can do on your own where you just make agreements? Leverage your skills. Leverage your skills. Yes, leverage your skills. Well, um, we'll be right back after these messages. What's up, you guys? If you would like to send in a question or a comment for us to read here on the podcast, just hit us up at cartonfriendspodcast at gmail.com and we'll do our best to answer any questions you have. Did I ever ask you to take me to go shopping in Perry and go sailing overseas and just y'all know uh, y'all know Summer Walker Summer Walker you love her I love her do you like Summer Walker yeah Summer Walker's tight her Summer music Walker's is really tight. good she's but dope. I would say at this point she's become a polarizing artist because some people are like. Oh, I don't fuck with Summer Walker. She can't even perform. <laughs> She's just out there standing in one spot. But she could be on Instagram running around and jumping around and being joyful. But she can't do it on stage. And, you know, she's told everybody, hey, I have social anxiety. Which means when I'm around a lot of people, you know, this anxiety kicks in and it can be debilitating. Then she says, you know what? After pressure, she was like, you know, I'm going to do this tour. But it's going to be my first tour and my last tour. Because... This social anxiety is really difficult. <laughs> and people were like, all right. Then when she gets on stage and she's standing there and she just, you know, feels awkward. Everybody's hating on her and like, oh my God. They're booing her and shit? They're just like on Twitter, like, 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 oh, this, I will never spend money on this girl. She cannot have any stage presence, da, 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 you know? Damn. And then she had to cancel some shows. Now she's only doing like a few of her solo shows rather than the full tour because... And she's not doing any more meeting reads either, I think, because the social anxiety is just really difficult for her. And people are just trashing her online, talking so bad about her. And it made me think about two things. The first thing was, there's other artists. I thought immediately of like two white artists who are girls, who are known for like having anxiety, having like, depression and things like that and they've almost been able to capitalize off of it you know and it's like whoa are like white artists more free to like express themselves and even like capitalize on things like that whereas like black artists it also 
depends on like if like how do wait before you answer though I'm going to give you the second part oh yeah the other part is do you think we take enough time because like obviously people aren't, aren't considering her social anxiety in the when they bash her there's some support for her but there aren't some there's some people that are just you know against her and do you think just in our in our workplaces in general that we like take enough precautions and really consider these type of like mental health things like like social anxiety anxiety and things like that like and I'll give you one more example at my job there's things like team happy hour company happy hour you know social events and stuff like that where if you come to those things you're probably looked at as more of a team player you know somebody who can really work for the job and you know work with people but I would imagine somebody with like debilitating social anxiety wouldn't, wouldn't be able to participate in things like that and not that it would be detrimental to the job but they wouldn't be looked at in the same way you know as people that were you know mm-hmm. and I think like that's an example so like you know do you take a, do you consider do you think that we put a space for people with you know uh, anxiety and stuff like that and do you think certain artists are able to be speak about mental health capitalize off mental health and other artists are not given that freedom I don't know because I mean like I know I know you mentioned before like how there's group meditations oh at yeah certain jobs but like don't you think somebody that had social anxiety would even have trouble going to that to a group meditation yeah, like because right. social anxiety is like you're anxious in social situations like a group meditation is a social situation mm-hmm. so like I don't know they would just have to be I feel like jobs would have to like start actually caring more about the employees personal lives and shit mm-hmm. which would be like the way it is in a perfect world but I don't know if that can happen exactly that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. There's a lot of jobs that look at their employees as just pieces of the factory, if that makes sense, you know, rather than employees. And I think that um, when it comes to mental health, I think that we all know there's a stigma around it, you know, just across the board. And then we know that within certain cultures, of course, there's even more of a stigma, you know, depending on, you know, what culture you're a part of, you know, maybe certain religious cultures, they're like, oh, what do you go to therapist for when you can just come to church and, you know, confess or whatever it is, you know, or different places, you know, we just know there's stigmas. And I would say that, yeah, we have to, because there's so many types of anxiety. I decided Mm -hmm. to read up on anxiety. There's like general anxiety where you can just... Anxious be anxious anything. at different times whatever your triggers are and then there's social anxiety where you're like you know going into situations where there's hella people and they're causing you to be anxious mm-hmm. you know so there's types of anxiety and, and anxiety isn't even the only uh, I think common like mental health uh, like situation cause like I think depression is way more common too than we like to acknowledge like you know like and I think that, like, you know, 
I don't know. I think that maybe we don't consider those things. We consider like the person that's like uh, that ought to be successful is the person that trudges through and fights and fights like no matter what the fuck they're going through. And like if you have anything going wrong with you, like shake that shit up and like internalize it and just like trudge through and just like go I don't go know go. Internalize it though. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like I feel like that's the ideal, or like that's not the ideal, but that's like the this picture that people kind of have. Maybe not internalize it, but just like let it go easily, you know? And just or I would say like you have to figure out. You do have to figure out how you can get past it, though. Like, yes. It's not your fault that you have <clears throat> social anxiety or that you're depressed. But as a person, like, if you want to have a better life, it's still your responsibility to, like, figure out how you're going to get help, basically. I agree with you there, definitely. Like, it's each person's individual like, journey. And, I mean, you know, there's, of course, the people in your life should be supportive of your shit. And, and we, as a global community, employee, should be... Yeah. Your employer is a part of that. Yeah. Because, like, they expect you to put in, like, hella hours a day at day shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the least they could do is provide, like, more benefits and shit for the employees mm-hmm. to make sure that they can, you know... Because, like, and it makes sense. Like, the less stressed out your employees are, the better they're going to do at their job. And, like, the more comfortable they feel at the workplace, the better they're, the more productive they'll be. Like, yeah, definitely. Even if you just look at it like that and not just how can you be a better fucking employer. (laughs) Yeah, like, do I want to win? Yeah. Well, I need my employees to, to feel good and work at their highest capacity yeah so it's like yeah at the end of the day it works for you to consider the needs of your employees but what about the other question do you think when it's specifically relating to the to the, the art community mm-hmm. and like musicians is it like are people of color or women like less able to talk about that type of thing when it comes to like anxiety or things like that or have it be part of their music, you know, and like, because like, I know Billie Eilish, she's like, part of her persona is like depression but and like I, anxiety and stuff like that. I would like say that. if you look at her Instagram and compare it to like somebody like Summer Walker, you expect her to be that way. You don't expect some Summer Walker to necessarily be such an introverted person from her Instagram. Hmm. I would, and I mean like that. I don't get. I don't think that gives people an excuse to like hate on her. But I'm just saying like I can see why people would expect something else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which and like honestly, like if you go pay to see somebody, and Summer Walker tickets probably not cheap. They're not. I was like, I was gonna go to the show in San Francisco, and some of the the lowest ticket is like you know a little short of a hundred. So. For some people, that's a lot. Yeah, and like, you know, like if you gonna pay to see that, hard earned money. Cheapest ticket is eighty something, ninety something dollars. Mm-hmm. Like, you gonna want to get a performance. Like, mm-hmm. you're not gonna want to see somebody just like not doing shit. Now, I mean, she sounds great. I've seen clips, and she sounds great. So, uh, like, that's another thing. It's like. 
we I, like what do we expect from her? At the I same think time? people had the had had like expectations, and that just is what fucked it up. And like you gotta like think about well, we don't actually know her. She just blew up off streaming. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like we don't know how she is as a person. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Like we just thought like. Like, all the shit we see on social media is, like, her in the comfort of her own home and shit, like, Yeah, which, of course, your personality is going to shine through when you're at home or when you're just, like, your closest friends and stuff, which on face on Instagram, she is at home or with her, her boyfriend. With her friends in the car and shit, yeah. like... She's not, like, in situations where it's just hella people around her. She might be, like, with some other people but like they all cool you know like, yeah these are people that she works with on a regular basis yeah that she, she said her, her band member are people that she's known for like I went to high school with and shit like that it's for hella long and went to church with and stuff like that so like her band is people that she's known for a long time her producer is the person that she's in a relationship with all people in her circle it seems are like people hella that are to super her. close to her so of course that's a space where you're gonna like fucking be really comfortable but I also feel like just at least in this day and age if you're an entertainer and you have social anxiety it can kind of play against you and and maybe you don't need to be in the in the performance artist space or the live performance space like maybe you need to be a performer that creates really good albums and dope ass music videos and does dates every now and then and has a highly Produced as a stage show where maybe you ain't moving around and shit, but you, the stage got you moving it up and down, and you got hella dancers, something to give you something to look at, you know. Yeah. And you don't do whole tours; you just do a show here and there or something, you know. And I feel like you have to tour these days, though, because isn't that where you get a lot of money? It's true. And but like, if you're writing your own songs, then you don't. Then you don't have to tour because a lot of people are touring because. They're not writing their own songs, so they have to get the money somewhere else. And they don't have royalties like and stuff. Even, rappers have to tour and shit. They definitely... I mean, I, mean, I do know touring is a big source of income. But I think some artists, they have to tour, you know? Because, like, yeah. they're not getting no money barely off their songs. True. True. Definitely true. Well... But... I mean... I will say, though... I think like there's not that many black artists that even do talk about like mental health and shit Mm -hmm. like hella openly you know what I mean there's there's a handful probably but it's not like a huge thing there's been some and then I can think of Kid Cudi who fell back on music a bit you know from Mm -hmm. dealing with mental health issues and stuff I mean he had other things that he's dealing with like addiction and stuff I think but like ultimately from what I believe it was like mental health you know that was like his main demon to fight so it's like I think yeah like you said a lot of black artists don't talk about it and I wonder why it might be because there's less of a space there's less space to talk about it because I would say in the black community there's a bit of a stigma on certain things like I know there's a stigma there can be a stigma around or there it's loosening up now but in the past there definitely was a stigma on like therapy and stuff it'd be like oh you're talking to these people and there's a lot of reasons why like I can think of like 
you know, not wanting to trust these people or just, mm-hmm. you know, a system that's usually not necessarily for you or something like that, you know, but, you know, my main thing is, you know, now that's opening up, you know, now we have access to all types of therapists and stuff. And so we have people like Summer Walker who are, who feel more free to speak on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, you know, people start to accept that she's an artist who's more about the music than, like, entertaining hella people. And You know what I mean? You know what I, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, like, she just wants to create rather than, like... That's what it seems like. The, the, that's, that's the direction it seems like she was going in from the jump, but people, like, assumed it was different. Yeah. Well... I think that wraps up our podcast for the day, or for this week, rather. Um, Until next time, make sure that you stay litty. And remember, if you want to send us a question or holler at us in any way, you can send an email to cartonfriendspodcast at gmail.com. All right. 